you know, I hope people will come away from it thinking like, well, what is love anyway? Like, is that even a real thing? But like, I love my mom, you know what I mean? I know that's real or, or is it, you know what I mean? Like what, what does, you know, anyway. So yeah. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> that sounds cool. Thanks. Would you guys go see it? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Cool. <laughs> Welcome to the Heavy Girls Podcast. I'm Christina Long, creative director of Black Girls World Zine, based in New York City. We love alternative music, heavy music, mathcore, and everything in between. In this podcast, we chat with amazing musicians and creatives in the scene, taking a deeper dive into their creative practice. In this episode, we talk to Ben Jorgensen, the lead singer and songwriter of the band Armor for Sleep. Don't forget to hit that follow button, subscribe, join our email list so that you can check out season two of the Heavy Girls podcast, which is launching on March 15th. See you there. This is Courtney Long, senior editor of Black Girls World. We are so excited to have you today because we are a big fan of Armor for Sleep. We got three tickets. Yeah. Yeah, there's like three of us. We call ourselves a trifecta of terror. Two sisters and a brother. Awesome. (laughs) We're going to see you in um, Michigan, New York, right, Christina? Or is it Jersey? New York and Philly. Yeah. Oh, nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's going to be cool. Those are going to be those are going to be really good shows. Philly is going to be the first show of the tour. So there might be some hiccups, but we're going to do our darndest. I'll try and I'll try and not mess up up there. Yeah, that was actually one of my first questions for you today is like, generally, how are you feeling? Right. Like, uh, seems like a lot's been going on. You just launched this new album in September. Yeah. Yeah. You got this new tour coming up. How's it feeling for you right now? Yeah, it's interesting. So I guess I guess for me personally, like um, so that album, our new album, The Rain Museum, came out in September. And I had recorded that actually the summer before. So September. So not like not like the August right before September, but like a year before that. So that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was the summer of 2021. So when we were doing the album, nobody knew we were doing the album. Um, it was right. It was still in the peak of COVID. Like everyone was basically still uh, in lockdown. And it was a really kind of like dark time for me personally. I just went through uh, actually a, a divorce and, um, you know, the, there was no live music. Everyone was isolated. I was going through this really weird and bad time personally. And I made the album. Suffice it to say, uh, you know, a year asked and that album just came out in September and I'm actually like the happiest I've ever been in my life. I have a, an amazing girlfriend. We have an amazing life together. Um, live music back in a big way and specifically like our scene, you know, uh, we we got asked to play When We Were Young, which I don't know if you got to be at When We Were Young. I guess, were you guys there? No! tried to get tickets. Uh, yeah, I know it sold out so fast. Um, so don't mean to rub it in your face, but yeah, it was a pretty awesome time. And, um, you know, it, it just seems like I, I think after COVID, people were just really excited to go to shows again. And not only that, but I think with like bands like Paramore coming back and with my chem doing these reunion shows, it kind of just like sparked um Maybe I don't think nostalgia is the right word, but like people who aren't afraid to come out and be like, yeah, I loved 
Paramore. I still love Paramore and I love my chem. And I, you know, I feel like we kind of got some of that love that maybe we didn't feel so much, you know, for like when we were on hiatus. So it's been awesome to, to, you know, be able to, you know, tour with bands like Hawthorne Heights again. And we toured with Dashboard Confessional, Andrew McMahon, and just the vibes are great. And uh, yeah, we're just loving it. So it's a little weird that like, you know, the album we just came out with is like from such a like a dark time in my life. And now like I'm just loving life and everything is awesome. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of like the ups and downs of life. You know what I mean? So very true. And it's also reminded me of um, we didn't go to the when you were young fest, but the previous year we did go to the furnace fest. Oh, yeah. Down in uh, what was it like Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama yeah. So we yeah. went down there kind of like going on around here yeah <laughs> i'm just looking for from autumn to ashes <laughs> yeah, um, hell yeah we used to um, play with from autumn to ashes i remember that band yes uh, but it was actually like a lot of fun because yeah it was like not necessarily nostalgic just nice to see everybody kind of back in their element but their mm-hmm. lives might have changed a little bit so there were a lot of kids running around or even kids running across the stages right uh for yeah. some of the bands because they have families now right and um, Mm -hmm. a lot of us were looking for chairs right because we're like oh it's a festival Um, but now like i need a seat um with like oh yeah nothing wrong with that (laughs) i'm the same way yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's definitely nice seeing people coming back out like you saying, a pandemic was kind of a hard time, um, but there was a hiatus between your 2022 album and your last yeah. album. Yes. Um, as a creative person, yeah, you know, you can take the musician out of the band, but you can't take the music out of yeah. the music man. Yeah. What were you doing that during that time to stay creative? Like, were you still playing the guitar, like, or drawing, yeah. writing? Yeah, totally. Um. So, yeah, my life was kind of weird. Yeah, um, I I was doing a lot of creative stuff in the middle. Actually, um, I got really into um, photography. And uh, so for for those years that Armour was kind of not active, yeah, I was doing a lot of creative stuff like... um, you know, definitely photography was never something I was into when I was in the band. But afterwards, I just jumped into it. And I saw the same thing activate in my brain that activated when I was like 16 years old playing guitar when I was like what's a camera? How do you make a good picture? Like what are lenses? I just went down the rabbit hole and I realized that like, I do need that creative outlet in my life and whether it's music or, you know, photography or video, uh, it's going to pop up somewhere like me getting crazy about something. So it was photography for a while and that kind of bled into, um, videography and also me, uh, loving like movies and wanting to like write movies. So I started learning about that a little bit. Um, And to be honest, I think there were years when I was like, when I thought that like being creative in music, that that was almost like a chapter in my life that I would never come back to. Like I didn't, I didn't ever necessarily think I would come back to it. But then, you know, when I started writing new music again, I was like, oh, this is never going to go away. You know what I mean? And so I should just embrace it. I don't know. I feel like maybe some people think the same way about like the scene. Like maybe they thought like, oh, that's the music I listened to in high school, but I'll, I'll be listening to different music when I get in, when I turn into an adult. And I think what a lot of people realize is like, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, that being your kind of music that you like forever. You know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily have to like leapfrog from that kind of music to a different kind of music, like 10 years later, you know? So I don't know. It's kind of a weird analogy, but I feel like 
I realize the same thing about myself and music. Like I can do other things, but I'll always come back to it, you know? Yes, I completely agree. I think we've certainly been saying that for a few years, haven't we, Courtney? Of like, we still going to metalcore shows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah now they keep calling us elder emo kids. Elder, yeah. elder. Yeah. Always an emo kid. It's just yeah. emo kid. No, no exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like what has changed, I think, to, and also zines, right? Like we run Black Rose World zine. And awesome. I, I feel like what I see change is just what our roles might be in those spaces, right? Like when you're younger, you might be like at the front of the stage or always mm-hmm. like fooling around in the pit. And as you get older, you might find other things you can do to support. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you start curating shows or helping to put on events or booking things, right? Or um, get in interviewing artists being the person who has to go get an emergency glass of water because your sister's 30 year old niece fell out at the rock show for <laughs> autumn to ash show leave me alone uh, yeah was she okay <laughs> <laughs> we do what we can you know <laughs> i'm just glad we're not the only ones you know we're not the only ones these days. yeah yeah i'm the same way i mean i used to see pictures of myself as a 16 year old kid for me like growing up the band in New Jersey was Saves the Day. That was like my favorite band in the world. And there are pictures of me basically like crowd surfing, like front row the entire time, probably having my legs like bashed in by the stage. But like going to shows, it was like I had to be front row or like crowd surfing or just like in it. And like as an adult, I'm like, I'm cool standing at the back by the bar, you know, watching the kids go crazy. But I still love it the same. I just don't want to physically injure myself anymore. You know? Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So true. I can have a wall of death and a mosh pit in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dang, Courtney. And not injure anything. Might knock down a lamp or two, but I'm good. <laughs> You're safe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I still like, you know what, though? That's a good point. Cause like, I have, I think I told you recently, Courtney, I have been thinking more about the VIP packages, which I never used to to even look at for most tours yeah. that would come through. But they catch my eye now more, right? Because they're like, well, this is seated with a table with some beverages and snacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's where I need to be <laughs> instead of standing around. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was, I mean, I, those, those tickets were insanely expensive for when we were young, the VIP tickets, oh, yeah. but like they had like half of the area in front of the stage was just for VIP people. And it was like, you could just like, and like during my chem, you could just like sit on the lawn and then like the section over the general admission, people were like on top of each other. So like, I guess if you got that money, like it might be worth it, but they were also <laughs> egregiously expensive. So it's, it's like if I could just have seen my chemical ramets with a $20 ticket when they first came out, that would have been so cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'll take the VIP just to yeah. see them one more time. You know, I had secretly been wishing for a new My Chem album. Yeah. yeah. And then like have now that you're back out too and, and running around doing tours and stuff, are you running into some new faces? Like are there new newer artists that maybe hadn't been out before that you're seeing uh more often now? Yeah, there are definitely new artists coming out and also artists that like existed in the gap from like when we weren't a band that um like I'm kind of going back and listening to and like, man, these guys were like carrying the torch, uh, you know, from like 
from like kind of like where we left off. But yeah, there's tons of of current bands. Uh, talking about metalcore, actually, I think like that's almost like a a more interesting space than anything else. Like, um, I really like this band called Dayseeker. Um, I was actually going to see Spirit Box in uh, Orange County, and Spirit Box are like another new band that I love a lot. And Dayseeker were opening up, and I was like, "Who's this band?" And I looked up all their stuff and all their old stuff, and I was like, "Man." metal is where it's at like that's where the like really uh that's where people are like pushing the envelope you know so yeah it's i love it to share a little bit Ben about that screenwriting work you've been doing yeah so um it's kind of cool actually uh I wrote so during the pandemic I wrote uh our album the rain museum and everyone had a lot of time so I also um I I wrote a movie called Dreambox, and this started because I make a long story short in um a couple years ago I entered uh, a little it was like um a film competition where everyone makes a, like a six minute video, a six minute movie. And every, everybody in the competition had two weeks to do a six minute video. Um, and, and that was it. And so I did one and it wound up getting a bunch of attention. And one of the things that happened is I got some meetings with producers from LA who saw that thing and were like, Hey, you should like write a movie. And I was like, okay, I'll write a movie. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so during the pandemic, I finished that movie and I kind of sat on it for a bit, but my friend is actually a a legit movie producer and he got a hold of the script. And, um, so we've been trying to get it going and, uh, you know, in, in Hollywood, in the movie industry, lots of times people are excited about things that never end up materializing because movies, unlike making a record, which you can do like really cheaply or for free, like there is no really cheap way to make a movie. Like you have to be able to raise a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. So it would be really awesome if it could get made. And, and we're trying to we're trying to do that right now. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a it's been a fun journey. That is awesome. Could you share a little bit for us of what the film is about? I would love to. Yeah. Um, So the movie is about um, a guy who's living an awesome life, almost like a a ridiculously awesome life. Like everything's almost like too good to be true. But um, he, he it's obvious that like he takes everyone for granted and like, you know, every, everything that he has is is almost like just handed to him on a silver platter. Um, it turns out that his whole life is kind of a sci-fi movie. It turns out that his life, um, was, uh, he was living in like some crazy computer simulation basically. So this takes place in the future where people can like put themselves in these computer simulations and spend like years in them. And, um, you know, you like don't know what's going on. So this guy didn't know that this world was a simulation, but it turns out that in the real world, he was just like a rich guy 
who put himself in this like fantasy world and like the real life version of himself that was like laying on a slab um, in this company ran out of money. So they had to like pull him out. So he has, so they like shove him back into the real world, but he's got to like go back inside the simulation and then he's got to like save a bunch of people. So it becomes this like action adventure movie. So that's what it is. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, that sounds cool. And it sounds like there's like a lot of character growth to go from. You're like a millionaire in the simulation and you're a regular Joe when you wake up. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and the thing is, I won't spoil too much, uh, but he's got to go back and save people inside the simulation, even though he knows they're not real, you know, but, but like they're the only people that he knew as real and he had these intimate connections with them. Um, hmm. So that goes to the question of like, you know, like what is love, you know, cause like his love was inside this world. And so he's pulled out and he's like, Oh yeah, none of that was real. But he's like, no, that was really real for me. And he needs to go back and make things right in his life. And, you know, I hope people will come away from it thinking like, well, what is love anyway? Like, is that even a real thing? But like, I love my mom, you know what I mean? I know that's real or, or is it, you know what I mean? Like what, what does, you know, anyway. So yeah. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> That sounds cool. Thanks. Would you guys go see it? Yeah, of course. (laughs) We love sci-fi. It's also making me think of like Philip K. Dick. Yeah, love. I mean, Philip K. Dick. Yes, everything he did. (laughs) I mean, you know how many movies came out of his short stories? Like so many. Mm -hmm. I know, Ben. I got a follow-up question for you. I know. Some of your albums, you actually had written short stories, right? Before mm-hmm. you made the album. What draws you to books and bookstores? Like what what makes you find a good book when you're going to the bookstore? Um, I think so. I was so my mom actually is uh, she's always been um, uh, working at book companies. So now she's a freelance copy editor. So she works from home, but she used to work for this um, amazing publishing company in New York city called Grove Atlantic that I actually worked at for a while and Grove Atlantic kind of like an off kilter um, indie book publisher. They made, they actually published um, sex in the city, the first run of sex in the city and uh, like cold mountain. If you remember that, like Nicole Kidman civil war movie, like they found that book and made it. So they just do a bunch of like quirky stories. So I think growing up, um, being around, you know, the book company that my mom worked at, I realized like all of my, or a lot of my favorite movies, a lot of the poetry I love, like everything comes from books first, you know? So, and even a lot of the bands that I liked that made concept albums that came from books, it was like, everything starts with the written word. And so I think I just had a love for English and literature and stories, uh, just from being around that. And also my dad, is a very smart scientist, but he's also a sci-fi nerd. So he just had books, bookshelves full of like Isaac Asimov and Heinlein and uh, Arthur C. Clarke. And, um, you know, I just, as a kid thought the cover, I was like, why is it, why are there aliens and, and astronauts on the cover of these books? It was just fascinating to me, you know? So I don't know if that answers your question, but I guess I've just always loved it from a young age. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any like, specific authors that come to mind that inspire your writing right now or your music right now or even the movie you're thinking about making 
Um, oh yeah, tons. Um I actually I I just saw a really cool movie. Um I never had gotten into uh what's his what's his face? I'm forgetting his name now. Um the guy who directed The Fly and uh Scanners and all that like body horror stuff. Um hold on one second, let me Google this because this is weird to not know his name. Uh, but he has a son who did a movie called Possessor, which was really cool. Um, yeah, David Cronenberg. So David Cronenberg, and he has a son who's now doing like similar kind of horror stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always go back to my favorites. I like Charlie Kaufman a lot. He wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Being John Malkovich and um, Adaptation. I love all that. I love being John Malkovich. That movie yeah. was hilarious. Malkovich, Malkovich, so Malkovich. Good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So yeah. we discovered Armor Free Sleep with the What to Do When You Are Dead. Cool. But the new album, The Rain Museum, I really like the song. I believe it's called I Want What I Had Before. I hope I'm not messing it up right. Um, what would I have before? Uh, let me think of. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're thinking of how far apart, I think, because that's the, that's in the chorus. Yeah. Oh, that yes. quote stood out, yeah. stood out to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good album. Yeah, I oh, think um, that kind of, uh, that was the first single off the album and uh, it kind of encapsulates a lot of, uh, I guess the lyrical tone of the whole album. So like, yeah, that's a good representative song, I guess. Yeah. I really like um, that album because for me, when what to do when you were dead came out, I was dealing with like a lot of social anxiety. So a lot of the songs I felt I related to of being like outside of yourself and not mm -hmm. being able to like interact with the world. And what yeah. I loved and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong with the rain museum, it felt like with a lot of the songs, I saw a lot more touching of I am present, but yeah. I'm talking about the past and kind of moving on from the past. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you were going for? Well, that's, uh, that's very cool that you say that. Um, I, I definitely think there's an element of truth to that. And um, I don't think, you know, I don't think I sat down intending to be like that, but I, I absolutely think that exists. And I think a lot of that has to do with just um, my age and where, where I was when I wrote what, when I wrote what to do in your dead, I was 20 years old. So like I, I had broken up with my first girlfriend ever. We had just started touring and I don't think I really felt in control of my life or who I was. So that kind of goes with what you were saying of just kind of feeling like isolated. And, and I think this new album, um, you know, I'm almost like twice that age. I've been, I've been through a lot in my life, you know, I'm an adult human being and I, I do feel like I have, I mean, as, as much control as any of us can have in our lives, I, I feel like I have control of myself and, you know, so there's not that out of control feeling. It's more of just like, you know, reflecting on stuff that has happened um, instead of, you know, just feeling uh, 
out of touch with everything. Like I, I can still feel overwhelmed with stuff, but I feel like as an adult now, um, I don't know, maybe less of a victim of what I've gone through and more of like, you know, I can, I can still experience pain through things I've gone through without feeling like out of control about it. You know what I mean? Have you heard the news? It's all over the place. I heard it in the car. I heard it on the radio. Wait. I heard it on the radio. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw it in the sky. Is it a oh, response where I'm supposed to say something? Girl, just continue with your idea. Uh- Don't forget to hit that follow button, subscribe, join our email list so that you can check out season two of the Heavy Girls podcast, which is launching on March 15th. My Chemical Romance um, concert during their last tour. I actually the next month quit my job because I was like, when I was listening to My Chemical Romance, that was at a time when I was in high school. I had no control over like anything, what college I was going to. I had all these high expectations and listening to them play reminded me of all those feelings oh, wow. I had felt and that, you know, this was the music I used to release some of that pressure. But also that, like you're saying, I'm in a different life stage. Yeah. I'm 30. Yeah. Fuck that job. So yeah. I was like, you know, I took control um, and yeah. changed up my career. So it's just like, yeah, That's it's awesome. like, you know, the music just was my release and it still is mm-hmm. um, my release. But yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, go on, Christina. You did, though. She scared me. We went, so we went to see My Chemical together in Boston mm-hmm. a few months ago and like had fun at the show. All oh, that was great. And as we were leaving the show, she just turned to me and goes, I need to get my life together. I fucking hate my life right now. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong? What's wrong with you? Like, we just left this really great show. You talking about getting your life together. Like, you have some kind of midlife crisis or something. Uh, and I was like, I couldn't connect the dots. I think you said it really well now, Courtney. But I was just like, we just had all this fun. And now you're just like, you know, fuck That's really interesting. And you know what? <laughs> like, I'm sure if you had the opportunity to, like, tell that story to, like, Gerard or the other guys in the band, they would probably be like that's the highest compliment anybody could give them. The fact that like you connected with, you know, just that part of yourself through that band. Uh, I mean, as someone who's in a band, that is the highest compliment I could ever hear. You know what I mean? And and that doesn't specifically have to do with like any one of their songs, but it's more like the impact that they had on your life and, you know, you wanting to make that positive change for yourself based on what you hear. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really and I cool. think that's why I'm glad like you guys are coming back, yeah. and you know if you're comfortable, you're coming back yeah. and you're playing new music. You're still yeah. going with it. Um, you're still using music as a vehicle for creativity because it's like like you said earlier. Um, <laughs> we never stopped listening. Yeah. Um, and it's still impactful. So I'm really excited to see you on tour and Thank hear you. the new album live. I, we've missed live music. Yeah, yeah. no, us too. 
and our fans have just been like, I know we don't have, you know, we can't sell out a stadium full of people like Mike Ham, but the fans that do come to our shows are just so nice. And, uh, you know, I really just, I think we all feel super lucky that, you know, our music connected with people and that they want to still come out to the shows. And I'm glad we figured out how to do it. Cause a while I was like, I don't know if anyone will, will want to hear new music from us. And and now it's like, well, we can do both. We can play the old music. We can celebrate that. And we can put out new music. And if people are into it, cool. But like, we don't need to like beat ourselves up if like, you know, a new song is not on the radio or whatever we cared about when we were 20 years old. Like we can, we, yeah. I think we found a, a really like happy balance. And uh, I feel like our fans have just made that possible for us. So it's awesome. That's good. I think that's really great. I feel like I did witness Hawthorne Heights go through that journey mm-hmm. over the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're from Michigan and we used to see them a lot, right? They would tour through yeah. the Michigan area pretty yeah. frequently. But yep. over the years, like, I absolutely saw them like on stage expressing frustration. Um, you know, mm-hmm. saying, how come you all don't want to hear our new music? People shouting yeah. from the audience, we want to hear the old stuff. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, really yeah. struggling with that. But I think they're in a better place now, right? Of, of like you said, yeah. you can do both, you know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they, we actually learned a lot from them on the last tour we did because exactly like you said, I think they, they do that perfectly now where they celebrate their old stuff. They don't, you know, beat up their fans for wanting to hear old songs. They're, they're like, this is awesome that you want to hear old songs. And then they also play a couple of new songs. And their fan was like, you know what? That song is pretty cool. And like, everyone's happy, you know? And like, you know, as, as musicians, like we can get kind of snooty about it. Like, no, our new album's the best. We're going to just play the whole thing front to back for people. And it's like, you got to know, you know, you got to like appreciate the fact that like, you know, your old record changed these kids' lives and they're grown up and they're coming to see you play a show. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, why are you going to, why are you going to hate on that? Um, and I'm the same way too. When I go see my favorite bands, I want them to play, you know, the old songs that I love. And absolutely, I want to hear their new stuff, but like, it's got to be a combination of both. Did you have a role model for starting out? Like when you were 16 and making music, um, did you have a role model? Did you kind of have to be your own role model? Like, what would you tell your younger self or for people who are still coming out with these new metalcore bands and emo yeah. band? So I'm going to plug my friend Gabe over here. Um, I would say the closest thing I had to a role model was Gabe Supporta. He was the singer for a band called Midtown and then a singer for a band called Cobra Starship. I don't know if you guys remember them, but um, he was... Uh, when I was a kid doing shows in New Jersey, he was in a band. He was four years older than me. And um, I, I, he went to my high school. He was four years older, but my older sister knew him. So I got his number from my sister. And when I was 13, I called him and asked him if he knew uh, a place to order stickers for my band at the time. So I actually left him a message on his answering machine and he called me back and he gave me a number and, uh, Help me figure out how to print my band stickers. And then later on, he wound up being Armor for Sleep's first manager. But what I remember most about that was the fact that I was a 13-year-old kid who basically stole his phone number from my older sister and asked him about stickers. And he could have easily never called me back, but he was like, I'll help out this 13-year-old kid. And for me coming up in the scene, I always wanted to be like that to younger bands that I meet because I know how much that means um 
as an artist to have kind of like an older artist or an artist more established just help you out. Cause it's so easy to just not take someone's hand and like look the other way and be like, I've got to worry about my own show. But like when you can dig in and help out other artists, you know, or other people who are going to shows um, that changes everything, you know, and that makes the scene strong. So I was really lucky to have someone like Gabe who was, um, you know, willing to help me out. And I've always tried to pay it forward. And I love seeing, you know, both sides of that. I love seeing, you know, people in established bands helping out the the younger generation coming up. So, yeah. So that was a big influence to me. That's awesome. And that's such a lovely example too. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for asking. Well, thank you, Ben, for interviewing with Black Girls World today. We really appreciate it. And we can't yeah. wait to see you on and the rest of the guys on tour. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and okay, so I'm excited that you guys will be at three shows. I very much look forward to saying what's up. Um, and uh, again, I try and, I'll try and not mess up at that show in Philly because it's our first show. And I'm sure we'll be like scrambling around trying to make sure everything's good. But this was awesome. 